Welcome to another episode of Berean's Podcast. Each week, we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the Scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real-life change and that the power of the Gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Hey, good morning, faith family. If you got your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 be our passage this morning. We're uh, finishing this morning our series we've been in most of the summer uh, called Traveling Light. And uh, I trust that this has been a series that's encouraged you. And for a series that wasn't even supposed to happen, uh, it, it has been uh, just a tremendous encouragement to hear uh, what God has been doing in your life. Now, Lord willing, uh, two weeks from today, we'll take a break next week in terms of sermon series. And then two weeks from today, we're going to start a new series that we're calling Victorious uh, from Tribulation to Triumph. And we're going to be uh, doing an overview of the book of Revelation. Really easy book in the Bible. So, you know, piece of cake. Uh, But I trust it'll be another uh, encouraging series for you. Uh, We've been talking about the last several weeks, kind of the the burdens and the baggage that we tend to carry in life. And we've looked about a lot of different issues, uh, times in life when things are out of our control. And uh, we have to learn to uh, trust in God's sovereignty and not in our own ability. Uh, We've talked about times uh, when you're just discouraged. In fact, of all the weeks during this series, this week may be the most. Uh, I got just a lot of great feedback on, you know, Pastor, thank you for just admitting uh, that, that it's okay to not be okay. That sometimes you get discouraged and you, you, you have dark times and, and that can be a very, very heavy time uh, in your life. Sometimes uh, the weight that you carry in life is the expectations. Maybe that's the expectations of other people or expectations that you have for yourself. Uh, we've talked about, uh, this was a, certainly a big one, and that was forgiveness. Uh, in life, people hurt you. And, and you're never going to travel light until you learn to forgive those people that have wronged you. And so we talked about that. Uh, another important one we talked about was uh, your past. How the accuser loves to take things from your past and bring that back up. And sometimes your past is a weight in your life. And we're not going to do all of these, but these are just a a few of the things that we've talked about over the last uh, about eight weeks. And this morning, we're going to conclude the series with one that at first might seem a little strange, but it's actually the reason for all of these others. And that is what we're going to talk about is the weight of the world or, or the burdens that come with living in this world because the reality is life in this world can get heavy at times. And so I want to give you something this morning and, and I, I want you to go ahead and kind of get a little excited because I believe the truth that we're going to look at this morning is going to be something that sustains you in the difficult times. When there are seasons of suffering as you live in this world, this truth can help you travel light. Paul talks about it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Would you look at this with me? And if you're able to stand, please do so as we honor the reading of God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and let's look here at verse 7. Paul says, "...we have this treasure in jars of clay." 
to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe, so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And this momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is God's Word. Will you pray for me this morning and ask God to teach us the truth that will help us travel light? God, I, I pray that for us. In these next few moments, would you do a supernatural work? Uh, take our eyes off this world and put them on the promise that we have in Jesus of eternity. And I pray that in doing so, that we would experience a freedom, a, a peace, a, a joy, a hope that only is found in Jesus Christ. And I pray it in His name and for His glory. And all God's people said... Amen. Will you please be seated? 893 quadrillion to one. 893 quadrillion to one. That's the likelihood that what happened to Dylan McWilliams happens to you. Dylan's a young man from Colorado Springs, and he loves the outdoors. He loves to hike and camp and surf and backpack and anything related to the outdoors. And even for somebody that's outside as much as he is, what happened to him is hard to imagine. September 2015, Dylan's hiking in the Grand Staff Canyon in Utah. It's about 7.45 p.m. He's removed his climbing shoes and rolled up his pants leg to cool off. He steps over a ledge, and when he does, he feels this sharp, needle-like stab shoot through his leg. He thinks that he's like rubbed up against a cactus, but when he looks down, he notices a reddish-brown rattlesnake coiled up around his leg. Now, it'd be over for me right there, okay? I'm done at this point. And Dylan, even though he's bitten, survives. July 2017, 
He's teaching a class at Glacier View Ranch near Boulder, Colorado. Some of his coworkers and friends invite him to, to stay the night and to camp with them, and so he does. He wakes up about 4 a.m. in the morning to what he describes as a crunching sound. He said it sounded like somebody was crunching potato chips in their hands, except it wasn't the crunching of chips, it was the crunching of his scalp as a 300-pound black bear was digging his claws into Dylan's head. The bear drug him by the head 12 feet, dropped him, stomped on his chest, and then ran away. Dylan was rushed to the hospital where he was treated for serious wounds, but survived. April 2018. <laughs> Dylan is surfing at Shipwreck Beach in Hawaii. Don't get ahead of me. It's about 7.15 a.m. in the morning. He just caught the perfect wave, rode it all the way in. He's paddling back out about 30 yards offshore. He feels a bump. He thinks it's a rock, but it's not a rock. It's a tiger shark that bites him in the leg. Dylan is able to swim back to shore where he is treated for the shark bite and survives. <laughs> you do the math. That is a time frame of about three years when Dylan is bitten by a snake, a bear, and a shark. National Geographic said the odds of that happening were 893 quadrillion to one. I don't know about y'all, but if I were Dylan, I'd start exploring the great indoors. Amen? <laughs> Watch some TV, buddy. Can you imagine that? Maybe some of you can. Faith family, have you ever been through a season in life where you felt like every time you turned around, something was biting you? Like the, the jaws of adversity and the claws of suffering seemed ever ready to take a chunk out of your life. It was another emergency to address, tragedy to overcome, a wound to treat, a problem to solve. And honestly, it felt like that the weight of the world was pressing down on your life. Listen to me this morning, faith family. You and I live in a world that's been bitten by a serpent. And because of that, times get heavy, times get difficult, and, and adversity and suffering is a real thing. And no one knew that more than the Apostle Paul. Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church because a group of false teachers have sunk their teeth into him. They're known as the super apostles. They're not real apostles. Uh, they're false teachers, but they consider themselves super apostles because they're eloquent in speech and they're impressive in what they do. And they are questioning Paul. They're trying to, to undermine his influence. They are spreading accusations about him. It goes something like this. You know, God can't really be with a guy like that. He's not that attractive. He, he doesn't use the rhetoric or wisdom of the day, and so his, his speech is not all that persuasive. 
And just look at the man's life. Look at how many times he's been bitten. The man's jinxed, I tell you. He says so himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Three times beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That was back in college. Three times shipwrecked. You'll get that later. A night and day adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, from robbers, from my own people, from Gentiles in the city, in the wilderness, at sea, from false brothers, in toil and hardship, many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things... There's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Dylan McWilliams has nothing on the Apostle Paul. This man had been bitten by adversity time and time again. And the super apostles are using that against him. Their argument goes like this. You know, good things happen to good people. Therefore, Paul must not be a good people. It was the ancient Near Eastern version of the health and wealth Gospel, which is no gospel that is often taught today, that God just wants your life to go swell. He wants you to have your best life. He wants everything to, to, to be a, a tiptoe through the tulips, that there's never any adversity in your life. And Paul says, that's nonsense. That's a lie. Because life in this world comes with all kinds of bites from adversity and suffering. And the Corinthian church had experienced it as well. Not only are they facing pressure from without, they're having fights from within. And so all of this is building. And, and Paul knows the tendency is to lose heart. If one more thing bites me, I'm done. If one more thing comes up, I'm out of this. So Paul writes in this chapter to this aim, verse 1, Therefore, having the ministry by the mercy of God, faith family, would you say this phrase with me? We do not lose heart. Look at verse 16, and would you please say it with me again? So we do not lose heart. Paul is saying, look at my life. I've been bitten time and time again. There's been adversity, but I don't lose heart. Corinthians, I know that you're suffering. I know you're taking it on the chin. I know you're feeling the weight of the world, but do not lose heart. And he's going to show them how. But first, he acknowledges the reality that there is a weight in this world. These things are a part of life in this world. I love this. He doesn't put a Christian bumper sticker over this life. Oh, well, you know, everything's going to be fine. No, life is hard. Can I get an amen? Like, did you come to church today to be honest? Life in this world is hard at times. And you're going to be discouraged. And there's going to be hurt that you're going to have to forgive. And you're going to fall short of expectations. And things are going to be outside of your control. And things will keep coming back that you wish you could correct from your past. Paul says there is a weightiness that comes with this world. 
And Christians, you need to get your head out of the sand. Stop listening to the super apostles or that health, wealth, and prosperity movement. And you need to realize that suffering in this world is expected and you are not excluded. It is expected and you, Christian, are not excluded for three reasons. Number one, the frailty of life. The frailty of life. I take this from verse 7. But we have this treasure. The treasures that he's talking about is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, back in verse 6, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs, yes, Paul, to God, not to us. But listen, clay jars or, or jars of clay were very, very common in the ancient Near East. Very common. They would take raw clay and they would uh, mold it into a pot and some of them would paint it and some could be very beautiful, some could be just very practical. This was just an everyday common thing that these readers would have known. And it was pretty common for sometimes to, to store uh, valuable things inside of a, a, a clay jar. But what was common among every one of them whether they were used to, to look at or practical daily things, every one of them was easily broken. And this is Paul's point, and it is a profound point. I hope you're listening. He is saying, do not mistake the power of Christ with the weakness of a Christian. You will look at my life, Paul says, and there will be times I will be broken. There will be times when I will be weak. There will be times when I'll be knocked to the ground. But don't mistake the power of Jesus with the weakness of my life. There's a treasure inside this jar of clay. It's the treasure of the gospel, and it is powerful. It is the power of God. But I can be weak. Because life is fragile. I can be broken. Are you here today and you're broken? Or have you experienced brokenness, the brokenness of relationships, the brokenness of your plans and dreams? You know, one of the things that we have tried hard to build a culture here at Breen is this. You've heard me say this a thousand times. It's okay, what? To not be okay. Broken jars are welcome here. Amen? Amen that, or I'm going to come out there and break you. All right? Paul says, enough with this nonsense from the super apostles that life is just going to be great, and if God really loves you, everything's just going to go swell. Wake up, man! That's not life in this world! Life in this world is frail, it's fragile. Yes, we have the power of God in us, but the container can be broken. We are jars of clay. Second reason why you should expect this and you're not excluded from this is because you're a follower of Jesus. Corinthians, come on now, take this a whole nother level. You have identified yourself with Jesus. Look at verse 10. Always carrying in the body the death, that could be translated the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. 
For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. Come on, come on, Corinthians, wise up. You shouldn't be surprised by the weight of the world. You shouldn't be surprised about the uh, adversity in the world because you're a follower of this man. I mean, it's enough just to live in a world where these things happen uh, as an unbeliever. I mean, these things happen to everybody, believer or unbeliever. But add to this the fact that because you've identified yourself with Jesus, that means an added layer of persecution, isolation, accusations. How much more should you as a Christian in this world know that life is heavy? Life is going to be heavy. It's going to be difficult at times. Paul is saying here, suffering doesn't mean you lack God's favor. It's part of identifying with Jesus. As he says in Philippians 3, I want to know Him in His sufferings. Thirdly, why we should expect it and know that we're not excluded from the weight of the world and the, the adversity in the world is because of the fallenness of the world. I know that's cliche, but it's true. Look around you. The world is fallen. It's under a curse. It's bitten by a serpent. Look at what Paul says in verse 16. We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul is talking here about the fact that we're members of a fading creation. And our life is fading. And it's not just our life, all of creation, Romans 8 says, is groaning. It, it, it's, it's longing for a new birth. It, it, it's tired of this death. It's tired of this. De- Are you tired of this death and decay? All of creation is groaning. Something come, something new. We're all in this groaning and yearning for life. And we see the evidence all around us. Our bodies fade. Our physical appearance fades. It's why you get married when you're attractive. Don't get mad at me because it's true. All right? Relationships fade. Family is not what it used to be. The mind can fade. As Toby Keith sang, I'm not as good as I once was. That's life in this world. And you're not excluded from it, Christian. Here's how my good friend Coelith in Ecclesiastes 12 (laughs) describes getting older. If you're not encouraged yet, cheer up. This is going to encourage you. He says this, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, that is, your hands start to shake, and the strong men are bent, that is, your legs get weak, and the grinders cease because they are few, you lose your teeth and have to eat yogurt. And those who look through the windows are dim, that is, you lose your eyesight. And the doors on the streets are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. You you can't hear like you used to. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. You wake up easily and you have a hard time getting back to sleep. 
and all the daughters of the song are brought low, your voice begins to change. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. Things make you nervous that used to not make you nervous. I used to love roller coasters. Now I think they're of the devil. It's true. The almond tree blossoms. If you've ever seen an almond tree blossom, it, it gets white. That is, you get white hair, gray hair, or your hair falls out. The grasshopper drags itself along. That is, you get tired easier and desire fails. I think you know what that means. I'm going to leave it alone. Because man is going to his eternal home, that is death, and the mourners go about the streets, that is, you have a funeral, before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken, that is, the light goes out, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern, that is, there's no life anymore, and dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it, that is, you go back to where you started, and the summary of all this is... Vanity, vanity, says the preacher, all is vapor-like. It's all fading. Though our outer self is fading away. Just before he took office in the New York Assembly, Theodore Roosevelt married his high school sweetheart, a woman by the name of Alice Lee. Shortly after they were married, they became pregnant. Nine months later, he receives a message that his wife has just given birth to their daughter, and he is thrilled. He starts handing out cigars to everybody. That mood quickly changes when he receives another message saying, get home quick. Your wife is not doing well. He goes to the train station, buys a ticket that will get him home the quickest, and as he walks through the front door, he is greeted by his brother with words he would never forget, quote, Ted, your wife is dying downstairs, and our mother is dying upstairs. His mother had typhoid fever. His wife had a kidney disease that had been undetected because of the pregnancy. And on February the 14th, yes, Valentine's Day of 1884 at 3 o'clock in the morning, Theodore Roosevelt lost his wife and his mom in the same house. His diary entry on that day was just a giant X with the inscription, the light has gone out of my life. This is life in this world. And you should expect it, and you are not excluded from it. And you say, well, aren't I glad I came to church Today. If I'll take them whenever I can get them. As if life wasn't heavy enough, I have to sit through a sermon like this. Listen, it'd be easy to end up where Theodore Roosevelt ended up. The light's gone. There is no hope. But I got good news for you. You look at me. You can travel light even in this world. 
verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Faith family, you hear me? The Apostle Paul was never without hope, and neither are you. Even in the weight of this world, even when adversity and suffering bites you time and time again, you are not without hope. But, but we can't see the hope if we don't acknowledge the reality. This is real. This is life in this world. So the question we should ask is this. How could Paul travel light underneath the weight of the world? How many times he was bitten? How did he travel light? How can he say what he just said in verses 8 and 9? And here's the answer. Here it is. Or I hope you get excited with me. He fought the weight of the world with another weight. you got to have this, Christian. He fought the weight of the world with another weight. And I know this almost sounds like a contradiction, but there's actually a greater weight that helps you travel light. What is that weight? Verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. What a promise. Verse 16. I ain't done yet. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. I'm traveling light on the inside when it's heavy on the outside. How? For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. As many of you know, the word glory, kabod, means weight. It's a play on words. There's a, a weightier weight. There's a weight of weight that helps you travel light. You said that doesn't make any sense. No, but it's good theology. <laughs> it's biblical. Paul thought... God set us free in this. He fought the weight of the world with the weight of eternity. When the weight of the world was pressuring him on the outside, he was renewed on the inside with the assurance that one day he's going to be in glory forever and the weight of the world can't take that away. And so as Paul faced all of these things, and as you are going to face all of these things, because that's just the weight of the world, that's just the reality of, of life in this world, Paul says you can still travel light, you can still have hope. Because you already know this, and it's, it's this truth. What you believe about your future impacts your present. What you believe about your future impacts your present. You know this. And when I say certain, I mean like 100% fact 
It's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. If you knew that tomorrow you were going to receive a huge bonus, it would impact the way you think about your financial situation right now. If you knew for certain that your team was going to win, you wouldn't get nervous when they're losing at halftime. If you knew with certainty that the surgery was going to go well, you wouldn't stress about it. Why? Because what you believe about your future affects how you live in the present. That's how he travels light. Because he knows, in light of eternal glory, whatever I'm experiencing now is momentary. It's momentary. And because it's momentary, it makes it light. When you compare to the glory that's coming. By the way, this is why, shameless plug, would you please be back in two weeks for the Revelation series? We're gonna exp- I'm ending this series intentionally to set up the next one. Because in the book of Revelation, we ain't coming together to debate the timing of the rapture. We ain't coming together to study that book, to discuss the the role of ethnic Israel in the end time events. Don't you show up expecting me to fill out your little prophecy chart. I'll burn that as a sacrifice for Jesus. I'm going to counseling afterwards. Okay, it's all right. You come and study the book of Revelation. Why? Because when you see what your future is going to be, when you catch a glimpse of what the glory is going to be like, it will impact your hope in this world. That's why you ought to come back for the book of Revelation. Shameless plug, and I do not apologize. That's how Paul travels light. And that's why the New Testament is constantly reminding you of how this story ends. Romans 8.18, it's a parallel passage to 2 Corinthians 4. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, wait, are not worthy. Comparing with the glory, greater weight that is to be revealed to us. Can you imagine? I should write a song. I can only imagine. Amen. Might just do that. First Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's the greater weight to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in this greater weight, in this glory that is waiting you, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Lesser weight. Do you see? Fight the lesser weight with the greater weight, and you travel light. One more, John 14. This is Jesus' words to the disciples. This language is very familiar. Let not your hearts be troubled. Sounds a lot like, don't lose heart. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go, just stop what you're doing and think on this, faith family. I will come again. And I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. You got to go there so that you can travel light in the now. Here's the big idea, the big takeaway of the day as we conclude the series. If you're ever going to travel light, you must, faith family, fight the weight of the world with the weight of glory. You must. You've got to fight all of this weight with the weight of of glory. You may be afflicted, but you will not be crushed. You may be perplexed today, but despair is not going to win. You may feel persecuted, but you're not forsaken. You may feel struck down, but you will get back up, for nothing's going to destroy you. For there is waiting for you glory. Some of you remember the story Pilgrim's Progress. And the main characters in that story, Christian and his friend Hopeful, and how they become imprisoned in, in Doubting Castle. It's, it's dark. They've been beaten and starved, and it's been one bite after another from the tyrant known as Giant Despair. Christian considers taking his own life. He, he thinks it's the end. He's about to lose heart. And then one Sunday he remembers that he's been given a key, and that key is called promise. And even though it's rusty from its lack of use, he uses it to unshackle the chains, unlock the prison doors, and he and Hopeful escape Doubting Castle. They soon arrive at Delectable Mountains where they meet four shepherds. One of the shepherds asks Christian if he would like to look through the perspective glass into the celestial city. And when Christian does, he says, it's glorious. How I long to be there. Hopeful says, how soon until we arrive? And the shepherd replies, sooner than you think but longer than you wish. And then how Bunyan describes what happens as they go back to their life in this world. He says, and I quote, they went away singing. From thoughts of suicide to a renewed hope. From carrying the burden to traveling light. Why? Because they caught a glimpse of glory. And it made the weight of the world seem light. If you're here today and you feel like Dylan, you feel like Paul, you feel like the Corinthian Christians, and it's just one bite after another, and you're about to lose heart. If I get bit by one more thing, I'm done. 
because you feel like the weight of the world is crashing down on you. My friend, today you can travel light. Come by faith to the one who knows what it's like to be bitten by a serpent. Come today by faith to the one who actually does know what it's like to have the weight of the world placed upon him. Come by faith to the one who, because of the resurrection, has prepared for you an eternal glory. Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and Jesus will give you rest. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for these last few weeks. Thank you for peeling back the layers of our baggage and the burdens that we carry. I believe, because I've talked to many who are experiencing a true freedom. Just even someone last night who came up tears flowing saying, this brought me out of the pit of despair. Oh God, that you would help us fight weight with weight. This world is heavy at times, and we watch the news, and we hear things from friends, and and the things all around us, it's just like, enough. And the only way we're going to be renewed in the inner man day by day is by looking to the unseen, of resting in the assurance of our eternal hope. I pray this morning that happens in our life. If just for a moment that you would take our eyes off this world and put them on the glory that will be revealed to us. Help us travel light, I pray, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen.